Omajina Turanandasya Janajana Salakaya Chakshuan Militanyena Tasmai Shri Gurave Namaha Panchakapadubhischa Kripasindabhivacha Patitanam Pamanengu Vaishnavidyunamonavaha We begin tonight with the second nectarine shower from Madhurya Kadambani having established the nature of pure bhakti and the nature of the authority of his presentation, Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur is now going to take us into the beginning stages of devotional practice and a deeper understanding of them as given by Rupa Goswami and Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu. So it's important that we understand that this Madhurya Kadambani is an unfolding, an unpacking, an elaboration upon Rupa Goswami's uh, directives in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu in order to bring the, the listener closer to the subject matter, in order to uh, elaborate in such a way that uh, full advantage can be taken, especially in the beginning of Madhurya Kadamani, especially by the the Kanista, the newcomer, uh, someone that's just entering into the path of, of bhakti. Vishwanath has made it clear that there's some special, some very speciality to what Rupa Goswami is pre- presenting. It is sprinkled with the nectar of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, this is not uh, just any any discourse. It's specifically dealing with the highest forms of devotional service due, the, due to the extraordinary mercy of Shaitanya Mahaprabhu. Uh, so there's some very special significance there, even though the process, the ninefold process of devotional practice is there, it's been specially nourished by Mahaprabhu's Sankirtan movement. So much so that he has infused it with the chanting of the Holy Name. And this chanting is so extraordinarily powerful that the chanting in and of itself contains all the ninefold limbs or angas of bhakti. He's also established that what we are receiving here is authorized. The pramana, the evidence upon which the devotional principles that are going to be presented, that were presented by Rupa Goswami, and that are being elaborated upon in his Madhurya Kadambani, those particular devotional practices are fully supported scripturally in the Vedas. And specifically, the heart of the cream of the Vedas around which all Vaishnavism revolves, the Srimad Bhagavatam. So the pramana is, is there. The evidence upon which uh, rests uh, the text itself and the presentation of devotional practice, the special dispensation of Shaitanya Mahaprabhu's Sankirtan movement. And then he goes on and he explains, Bhakti is just like the Lord. Causeless. And it is a special dispensation that even the Lord Himself has reserved just for His topmost devotees. All these things have come out. This causeless nature of bhakti and the fact that when we look at the different spiritual paths for attainment and material paths for attainment that are presented in the Vedas and in the cream of the Vedas, the Bhagavatam, whether it be the karma khanda sections that deal with upliftment within the material realm all the way to the heavenly planets, avoidance of, of sinful life in such a way that the heart is cleansed through that pure karma khanda, entering into to, uh, jnana, an endeavor to be liberated from material suffering altogether, or it be an endeavor to Worship the Lord in his all-pervasive feature, Paramatma feature, and attain those specific powers 
uh, shaktis as much as possible for the jiva. Those particular yogis, they re, those are referred to as siddhis, the siddha yogis. They they want to they want to attain all that they can and control everything in the material realm. And ultimately, their goal is to is to is in in purifying themselves and and having such attainments of complete mastery to actually penetrate through the universal shell and enter into the into the spiritual planets. Their conception of the supreme, of course, is one of uh, adoration. Uh, they want to, they understand the supreme lord's position, but uh, they have an adoration, uh, and they have a desire, a desire for liberation in a particular way. They want to they live on the same planet as the Lord. They want to have his same bodily features. And his association, all these, whether it be the, the attainment of liberation, entering into the, into the effulgence of the supreme, as the jnani wants, wants to attain and can only attain with, a, with that little particle of bhakti or the yogi. All this has been put into perspective in the first part, has it not? We see that all these paths, they have to be nourished by bhakti. And they're nourished in a particular way, but for what Rupa Goswami is presenting in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, his very beginning premise is this service to the Supreme with any tinge of self-gratification isn't going to fully satisfy the self. It's going to, it can do a lot, but it can't, it can't give that reciprocal relationship with the Supreme that pure unalloyed bhakti can give can't give it. It can only go so far. And unless that's the endeavor, Vishwanath ends the first shower of nectar, unless that's the objective, it's pretty harsh. He ended up on a pretty harsh note. These guys are fools. So now, he's established. Let's go forward. What is this pure bhakti? What's it like? How do we practice it? How do we advance through it? How do we, how do we get to that stage of selfless, motiv- unmotivated service? Unmotivated service. No objective on the part of the practitioner except for the service itself. Bhakti nourishes bhakti. Bhakti's unconditional and only in that unconditional stage will it really give complete satisfaction to the self. No motive. Very difficult. Very difficult to even conceive of not having an objective over and above the practice itself. There has to be really something there. What pushes? What is driving the living entity? So, he starts in the second section to give some some indication. He begins by explaining the the creeper of bhakti. What is the nature of that creeper? But before he does that, in beginning the second shower of nectar, he first of all says that I'm not going to speak about here. We're not going to address here the different conceptions regarding the Supreme Lord. This is how he states it. In this book, Madhurya Kadamani, there is no discussion on Dwait Adwait Vod. If, however, someone wants to know about the explanation of simultaneous difference and non-difference, he can study the book Aishvarya Kadambani. This is his book. He's saying, if you want to know, if you really want to understand the different conceptions of the Supreme, we're not going to get, get into that. We're talking about pure bhakti here. We're talking about Rupa Goswami's 
directives in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu. And if you haven't got it down as far as a chinta beta beta tattva, if you don't know that, read this book. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go there again. Now the commentator, he points out this book isn't available to us now. It's an interesting point. This book is not available. And don't be confused. There is another book called Aishvarya Kadambani. Okay, the opulences of the Supreme, his opulences being a manifestation of the material energy, the Jivatma, and all his other Shaktis, and how they interrelate, culminating in that deeper understanding of Achinta Beta Beta Tattva that the Supreme is simultaneously one with and separate from his various shaktis, his energies. We're a jiva shakti. He has the, the maya shakti. He has unlimited shaktis, unlimited energies dispersed in unlimited ways. This Aishvarya Kadamani, how is, how is the Lord simultaneously one with his energy and separate from his energy? How are we to how are we as sadhikas to understand this so it can serve and and nourish our practice? Well, the book's not available now. It's not here. Maybe they'll find it. Maybe they won't. If in the five hundred years since Sri Chaitanya's advent it hasn't surfaced, that doesn't mean it may not surface. But understand that his student, Baladev Vidyabhushan, also wrote a book. Well, maybe he's referring to that. Unfortunately, he isn't. Because it's known that he did write his own book of, this, of that name. And it's also known that the subject matter, because Baladev's book did endure, still available. So, and in that book, he doesn't deal with this Achinta Beta Beta Tattva. So it's not part of his book, so that can't be what Vishwanath's talking about. So how rare it is that we even have access. Just think. And Rupa's Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu is even o- older. What to speak of Krishnadas Kaviraj's Chaitanya Charitamrita, Vrindavan Das's Chaitanya Bhakti. What would we do without these? entrances into a deep understanding of Shaitanya and his philosophy that they have endured, that they have been passed down to us and that we can still be nourished spiritually by them is amazing. What were they written on? Leaves. And we still, we can read them now, 500 years, before the printing press? Or at the same time. But at that time, in that culture, if you wanted a book, you went to the library and you copied it by hand. And you took the leaves and you copied. Make me a copy of this book. Can you imagine the guru saying, oh, by the way, could you go make me a copy of Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu? It's uh, down in, well, first of all, you're going to have to go to, uh, to Vrindavan, and it's in this particular temple in, the, in, their, in their library there. So I want you to look at the original manuscript and I need a copy because I want to study it. I know I'm in South India and it's going to take you a month to get up there, but I need this book. But Guru Maharaj, it's going to take me, take me besides the time of travel, my gosh, I don't even know if I can copy the whole book. Oh, okay. You can prove me prove that you are my a worthy disciple, you do this for me. Imagine, these books came down like that. One to the other. Copied by hand. Up to the point that they could be actually printed. So that we lose and we lost some of these books and even now, Vaishnav books are, are still coming forth. Uh, the Ishkan group, they have some... Uh, some research and they're finding older manuscripts not necessarily written on leaves but they're finding copies here and there 
and they're putting in a, in, in a museum-type atmosphere and, and making sure that they're preserved. This was also the desire of, uh, of our spiritual master. At a particular point, uh, Srila Prabhupada requested uh, Yadavar and his wife to go and photograph page by page everything they could find by Bhaktivinoda Thakur. He said, I'm afraid these are going to be lost. You need to go and preserve these things. This is, this is a request. At least they had a camera. They didn't have to write it by hand, so that was somewhat easier for them. So the, the value, the value of what we have can never be underestimated. First verse, second rain shower. I'm not going to discuss Dweta Dweta Vod, the fact that the Lord is and isn't his energies. It's a big subject. I mean, just to have the conception that the Supreme is simultaneously one and different, that a candle lights another candle, and the light from that candle has the full potency of the first candle, although there is an original candle. To think Krishna can manifest himself into another form who is also completely full of all his opulences, is completely cognizant of everything, it's hard to wrap, wrap your mind around that God can be many, but he's one, but he's many. It, it's, it's, I mean, you know, Rama is Krishna and Krishna is, is Ram, but they're not the same, but they are the same. They're both God, but they're not the same God, but they are the same God. They're God omnipotent, omnipresent, all the opulences of Bhagavan are there. So, what to speak of under, understanding Advaita, Achinta, Beta, Beta, Tattva. It's a deep subject. He goes on, next verse, second verse. Unalloyed devotion, unmixed by Gyan, Karma, and others, can be compared to a wish-fulfilling creeper appearing in the field of the senses. This bhakti is the shelter of fortunate devotees who are like bees desiring to taste only nectar and who vowed to give up all desires except Bhagavan and bhakti. The very life of this creeper is the favorable loving service of the Lord, like touchstone. This creeper of bhakti eventually transforms the iron-like material nature of the senses into the most pure transcendental gold. We're going to touch on that pretty deeply this evening. Gradually, the sadhana bhakti creeper sprouts and unfolds two leaves. The first is called Pleshagni, destroyer of material suffering, and the second is called Supada, giver of all auspiciousness. The inner surface of the two leaves is the domain of the king called Rag. Spontaneous devotion and is very smooth. The sign of its being born out of spontaneous greed. It is superior due to its appearance from the pure affection that relation with the Lord as described in the Bhagavatam. I am very dear, their very dear one, very life, son. The outer surface of the leaf, outer surface of the leaves is ruled by another king known as Vaidhi, regulative devotion. Slightly rough in nature, the sign of it being born from the injunctions of the scriptures. It is somewhat inferior and slightly rough due to the lack of pure affectionate relation with the Lord. Srimad Bhagavatam 2.15 says, Therefore, persons desiring fearlessness should worship the Lord, the Supersoul. However, both Rag and Vaidhi almost equally manifest the symptoms of Kleshagni and Subhada. So the sages 
the pure bhaktis have looked at it, looked at devotional service as as a progressive. The Tao, Shraddha, Tata Sadhu, looked at all these stages, looked at progressing through them, and basically three general categories. Devotional service in practice, devotional service in ecstasy, and, well, devotional service in pure love of God. And it's chronological, right? What do we chant at the beginning of the class? Krama, the very, that word in that last line by Rupa Goswami. It, it is, it's like a progression going from beginning to end. So the beginning stage, sadhana bhakti, devotional service and practice, is characterized by these two features. These things happen during these, this stage. Kleshagni and Subhada. Material suffering is wound up and all good fortune is available. Well, that certainly sounds like a reward, doesn't it? So we're supposed to be desireless, but all of a sudden just taking to bhakti is naturally coming as a consequence of taking to the path. But it's not the desire of the devotee to end his suffering. Well, even if it is his desire, because he's taking shelter of the pure bhakta, under that good shelter and good guidance, even if there is what appears to be like a desire to enjoy the fruits of bhakti, that appearance is what? That appearance is an anartha. Not an aparat, it's an anartha. It's a carryover of the fact that within material existence, everything that the living entity does is on a pay-as-you-go basis. You pay, you enjoy. As you pay, you enjoy. You pay more, you enjoy more. Enjoy more. Enjoy more. You pay less, you don't enjoy as much. So this is the nature of material life. So it's natural that it's natural. It's not unnatural that when we look at a, a we take the spirituality, we think, well, that's the way it works too. We pay and we get. Now we've touched upon in the first rain shower. Bhakti doesn't work like that. She's completely independent. But still there is a gradual progress. Because why? Because when we come into the contact, contact with bhakti, naturally we're coming from material conditioning. There has to be a transition. What is that transition like? Well, that's given. Here, the transition is like sticking an iron rod into a fire. The characteristics of the material life, although it's bhakti and bhakti is causeless, it appears that it is a gradual heating process, a gradual cleansing process. <coughs> so this is the first two characteristics of that cleansing. Kleshagna and Subhada, Anartha Nivriti. The cleansing, Kleshagna, all the Kleshas, all these impressions, and the karma that carries those impressions recedes. But it doesn't recede the way it recedes for the jnani or the yogi. It doesn't go to the background. It goes away. There's a big difference. A huge difference. It's a cleansing. It's being burned in the fire of bhakti and the seeds themselves are turning to ashes. That's the nature. It's fully spiritual. The, the sadhaka becomes fully spiritualized by engaging in the process. So there's a distinction made here in this second verse. It's important for us to understand. We're on a path of rut. 
we're trying to follow and become attached to the Supreme Lord. It's called Raganuga Bhakti, an attachment, a greed, a loss, loba, instead of greed for material life, which we are really familiar with. We know how that works. We want it, we work for it, and we get our hands on it, and we try to enjoy it, and we find out, damn it, it wasn't all it was cracked up to be. I was sold a bill of goods. Being the richest man in the world was supposed to make me happy. Having that beautiful wife was supposed to really be that that was the best. And then now I'm now it's five, seven, ten years later, I'm tired of it. I need another beautiful wife. Or being the most educated or being we have these desires and we find out that we were sold a bill of goods by material nature. And sometimes we are so overwhelmed by these desires, we invest more than one lifetime. So you have some that we see these, what are they called, savants, coming back, and they sit down at a piano when they hardly can walk yet, and they're... Well, they've been at it for a while, and they're, they're, they still want to do it. So, you know, they pick up where they left off. The yogis also pick up where they left off. The devotee also picks up where he left off, but it's entirely different. They're not the same. Raganuga Bhakti. We want rag. And rag is nice. That spontaneous attraction to Krishna. Krishna Katha, Hari Katha. That immediately hearing, the, hearing these pastimes, all we want to do is hear more and more and more. Immediately seeing the deity, we, we, we want to see the deity every day, day in and day out, no stoppage. That would be great. I only want to hear the guru. I only want to do what he says, day in and day out. Just running to serve like that. That's Raganuga Bhakti. You, but how many of us have that good fortune that immediately coming to the process we jump in and we just can't get enough. No. We generally have to have a carrot and a stick. <laughs> the carrot is pulling us along. You want this. And the stick is, and if you don't do this devotional service, you're going to suffer like a dog. That's vitae. The scriptures use a carrot and a stick to pull us into the practice of devotional life. Rod Bhakti is like a magnet. Nothing could stop us, even if it tried. So, for the majority coming, the, the majority of the Kanista Adhikari, the newcomer, he's coming and he knows this is something I want. He sees something in the in the character and the demeanor and the 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 way the pure devotee lights up when he speaks of Krishna and he says that's something, there's something going on there as I said before you may not even understand what he's saying but the way it really looks like he's he's some, he's got something that I think I should have so is, there's some attraction, there's some wrong there, but basically what motivates engagement in the process is a carrot and a stick. You want what they, you see in the devotees, although you can't imagine what they're tasting, you don't know the wrong, that's, the magnet that's pulling them, but you know you don't want to go to hell because you know material nature hasn't been real nice to you. So you have enough of the stick to push you along and, and a little carrot. So that's Vaidhi Bhakti. In this first stage of Sadhana Bhakti, devotional service and practice, these two things manifest. Material, the material energy falls away. And everything coming up roses. Your future is bright. You know it is. If all you do is know it is by seeing 
the demeanor of Krishna's devotees or the guru or from what you read in the scripture, you know that the future in devotional service cannot be beat. Nothing, nothing can touch this. If I can attain pure love for Krishna, my gosh, it's, it's overwhelming. And the little taste we get from time to time, the glimmer of, of, of spiritual emotion, it's called an emboss. It's, it's just a, it's a, uh, a shadow. Not even the real thing, but it sure is enough to push us along, is it not? Devotional service and practice. It's the unfolding of a creeper of love for the Supreme. And the first two leaves are this falling away of material consciousness falling away of, of suffering, an ending of suffering, an ending of karma, and the manifestation of all auspiciousness in our lives. Spiritual auspiciousness, not material auspiciousness. In fact, material auspiciousness may, it, it may be exactly the opposite. Sometimes Krishna says, i got to take everything away before I can give you everything. Sometimes we think the only way we can advance is everything's taken away. But really that's not necessary. Knowledge. Well, maybe I need to know everything, then I can be Krishna consciousness. No. Knowledge and vairagya, uh-uh. Sometimes they don't help. Maybe a little bit in the beginning. So what the author is explaining here is the leaves of the creeper. If you have that taste, that rog, that magnet magically, magnetically draws you to devotional life, that's the rog marg. That's very nice. That's like the inside of the leaf. But if the drive is the carrot and the stick, the outside of the leaf, it's a little rougher. It's a little rough. It's a little rougher for us if we don't have that driving taste to push us on. We have to rely on on hearing how bad it is to not be a devotee, but how good it is to be one. If that's the driving force, that's those spiritual directives. But it's the same leaf. It's the same leaf, and. For the most part, as the verse, the second verse said, well, the result of Klesagna and Subhada is the same. Whether you're driven by scriptural injunction or whether you're driven by Rag. Now, we all want Rag. And as we get through the stage of Sadhana Bhakti to the stage of Bhava Bhakti, as we advance to that stage, then, then the Sadhaka is the true the true blossoming, we're coming to the stage of ruchi, spiritual taste, a shakti, an acquaintance with the spiritual reality of our existence in service, what we do to please Krishna and then bhav. So once at that stage, then those distinctions are no longer there because at that stage, rag is there. You are being drawn. By a, it's not that the struggle of the sadhikas is the same. Why? What's the characteristic of the stage? First of all, complete and utter and absolute humility is coming at Nista. Nista, after Anartha Nivriti, after all material suffering has ceased, Kleshagna and Subhada, all auspiciousness is being realized at the stage of of Nista, what is what is the primary characteristic? Trinata Pisuriche na Trora Pisuhisuna. Complete, utter, absolute, beyond a shadow of a doubt, humility. Lower in the straw in the street. I'm just happy, so happy to be here. I don't care. Followed by a taste which is so compelling, so all encompassing, but what? 
Nadanam, Najanam, Nasundarim. I don't want women anymore. I don't want money. I don't want to be the king of the world. I don't need a bunch of followers and worship. I don't need anything. In fact, I don't even care for liberation. I don't care just to stay here. In fact, if I'm so attached to material life, I have to go to hell. It's okay. I'm still going to love Krishna in hell. What a determination is there once you really taste that spiritual ruchi, that, that true enjoyment of your true nature as Krishna's servant. But in the beginning, these two leaves are unfolding and the author is now going to explain this unfolding of the leaves. The first two leaves. And they're almost the same no matter if you're driven by rag. What is that terminology? Ajata Ruchi Raganuga Bhakti. No Ruchi is there yet. I don't have it. Ajata Ruchi. But I still want Raganuga. I want to have that magnetic pulling of my heart to Krishna. Ajata Ruchi. That's what the spiritual master is giving. That is what this path is giving. That is what the Gaudiya Sampradaya is offering to us. If we abandon this for Gyan or Yoga or Karmakanda, yeah. what was the verse? Last verse. What was, what was the terminology? Who else but the non-human, non-human would refuse devotion to the Lord? That's the way the sadhus look at those jnanis and those yogis and those karmis. The trees have life. The bellows of the blacksmith, they breathe. And all these animals, no matter how, how, the, how, my, how, how their foot is, whether they have one hoof or cloven hooves, bunch. Bhagavatam looks at the living entities like that. You notice that in the in the section of the Bhagavatam talking about the different so he's kinda it's kinda touched upon in that verse that that's that this ending of the first of the first uh, shower gave. These animals, they're eating, they're sleeping, they're mating, and they're also passing semen. What? What what what's, what distinguishes you as a human being? Aren't they? Are they're, these guys are enjoying just as much as you are materially. So if you don't want to love Krishna and you have some desire other than that, yeah, what? Hog, dog, camel, or ass? Hogs, dogs, camels, and asses. What? What is? Wow. And that's where we fall. And even the jnanis, the yogis, these great, great people supposedly who are conquering over material nature, they're not going to be successful without a touch of bhakti. And they're also having those desires in and of itself puts them in the same category. The devotee, we want more. We want a selfless love that's fully satisfying. And even if the devotee has some some wayward material desire. Krishna fulfills that with no problem. Nothing, no problem at all. He, but he does fulfill it in such a way that the devotee realizes, yeah, yeah, what the heck do I waste my time wanting that for? Dhruva Maharaj. Once he saw Krishna, it's like, I, I, what? I wanted... I see you, and, and, and what I look at what I wanted is broken glass. What a waste. What a waste. I want to be a Brahmin. I want to have a kingdom better than, than my father's. Just because my, my brother-in-law got the kingdom, and I wanted to take it for, away from him, I, but I saw you now. I, that's all I want. Well, that's all you want, but guess what? You're going to get the kingdom because that's what you approached me for. No! 34,000 years, I got to be a king? Dhruva Loka, I got to be put on a star for the duration of a creation? Wow. Huh. 
don't have some mixed desire for your devotion. Krishna may just give give you what you ask for. We don't want any of that stuff. And the Bhagavatam's there to teach us in so many ways. Careful what you ask for, you may just get it. Krishna is so kind. But I don't think Dhruv has got to want another pole star later. Or Bali Maharaj is going to want to be Indra. Even if they do, it's okay. They're Krishna's devotees, so whatever they want, they can have. Klesha, Subhada. How does this happen? That bhakti enters the life of the jiva. Well, it's causeless. But how does this transformation happen? So that's also brought up. Just like, well, it's like this. This creeper of bhakti eventually transforms the iron-like material nature of the senses into the most pure transcendental gold. So the iron-like, this analogy of iron and gold is also used when we look at at, uh, the topmost enjoyment in material life and its counterpart in the spiritual realm. On this plane, the topmost is sex life. The sages they say, well, yes, yeah, sex here is it's 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 that's the different. It's in the quality. Here it's like iron. Has no nothing. It's like the basest of metals, and in the spiritual realm, it's like gold. Just to give us some compare. Is it a comparable thing? No, it's not compare. Why isn't it comparable? Well, come on. When the sages say that. Brahman realization, complete liberation in the Lord's magnificent effulgence, that itself, which is, what, miles above any enjoyment you could have in the material realm, to attain liberation, mukti, to merge into the supreme energy, the Brahman, Brahmanan, that enjoyment, that enjoyment, which is trillions of times more than any material enjoyment, the highest of which is sex life, that enjoyment is infinitesimal when we look at the enjoyment of loving exchange with Krishna. So the bhakti rasa, that, that taste, that enjoyment of pure love is unimaginable. The analogy of iron and gold works up to a point because that those things we're familiar with. But when we really get down to it, it's it's hardly even the scale is not wide enough to give us that perception of how much and how high the taste of love for Krishna is and what the devotee feels when he has that love. Unmotivated, uninterrupted. Janakarmajanavrita. No no taste for anything else. So in this shower, we're going to go through gradually what it means for the sadhika and how these leaves unfold, how they unfold, the stages, the progressive stages, even in that first devotional service in practice. Devotional service in ecstasy, devotional service in pure love of God. Each of these three broad categories have two characteristics. And the first one, Kleshagna and Subhada. All material suffering ends, all karma is wrapped up, finished, burnt, out. It doesn't exist anymore in the bhakta, to the most extent. Almost. I mean, there's a tinge, even up. As long as there is a material body, there's still some little touch. But, actually, the material body itself, all parabda karma ends, up 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 in the stages of bhava. Praying, it does not exist. 
Just to put it in perspective, as presented the Nectar of Devotion with his Srila Prabhupada's English rendering of Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu. So the first two characteristics are there in the sadhana. The next stage, devotional service and ecstasy, also has two characteristics. They are pure devotional service automatically puts one in transcendental pleasure. So that's easy to remember because where do we come to at the second stage? We're starting at this, we're coming to the stage devotional service and ecstasy. Ruchi is Sakti Bhava. So it puts you in transcendental pleasure. No more material pleasure. Material pleasure is ended. Spiritual pleasure is there in the middle stage of Bhava Bhakti. And what? Very few people make it. It's very rarely attained. Pure devotional service is rarely achieved. What is the rarity? The rarity is finding a pure devotee competent to give us guidance and to stick firmly to his, to his directives so that we advance. It's very rare. How rare? There's thousands upon thousands of people, millions, trying for liberation. Of those, a few make it. Of millions of those who attain liberation, hardly one knows me in truth, is what Krishna says in Bhagavad Gita. Hardly one. The person that knows in truth is the bhakta. He knows Krishna in truth. So it's a rare thing to come into contact with this, with Lord Chaitanya's merciful dispensation. Go, go care, premadan, harinam, sankirtan. When the when Krishna's spiritual realm is brought here through the holy name, and we can enter into it through the holy name. It's a very, very rare thing. Gives us unimaginable pleasure, devotional service in ecstasy, very rarely achieved. And pure love, praying, also has two characteristics. Those characteristics, they deride Eden, the con- they don't even think of liberation as being a goal at all. They deride it. Who would want anything to do? What's that mean? That their their concept is they just want to serve Krishna's devotees. Their love has come to the point. What is that love characterized by? I don't care if you pick me up and embrace me or make me broken hearted by not being present before me. Lifetime after lifetime. Yugaitam namishena. It doesn't matter. It does just being here and knowing that your love is there and available is enough to sustain me in and of itself. If you embrace me, fine. They, the, they are beyond bhava. This is praying. We can't unimaginable. Characteristic, they deride liberation. Yugaitam namishena. I don't care. Yuga after yuga after yuga. Who was it? Mukunda? Came a little bit too attracted to some Mayavad philosophy. Krishna pushed him out of the association of the Sangha. No. He can't come and associate with me. Oh. He was broken hearted. All the devotees, oh my gosh. He's committed this offense. What to speak of all the offenses? If Lord Chaitanya knew all the offenses I did, I could be kicked out too. You can imagine their anxiety. So they go back to Lord Chaitanya. Well, can you forgive him? Can we? What can he do? What can he do? What can he do? How long is he going to be suspended? How long are you going to keep him outside? How long is it going to be? Oh, okay. You know, since you're pressing the matter. 10,000 lifetimes. Went to the devotee, 10,000, in 10,000 lifetimes, I'll be with Krishna? Okay, great. I'll be ba- Lord Chaitanya will let me back that soon? Hey, that's no time at all. At least someday, some way, somehow, 
I'm going to be allowed to again engage and have Krishna's personal association. That's the way the Prem Bhakti thinks. They deride liberation. It's not anything. Devotional service is all they want. 10,000 lifetimes. It's, it's hard to conceive, is it? Hard to conceive of having that much love for Krishna. It doesn't matter. I stay here until, until hell freezes over and more. And what? The last characteristic? It's the only, only way to attract Krishna. There can't be anything but complete purity in our practice, in our love. It has to be completely cleansed. When our love is at this stage of praying, then Krishna is like, ah, I need that love. So he'll do anything to get our love at that stage. Why? Well, because we because our love is simply dedicated to complete and absolute service of those that serve him perfectly. So that praying bhakti is simply a, a, a selfless service to the ragatmikas. Any questions? So, Klashagni and Shubhada in the sadhana bhakti, they kind of like uh, they are they manifest. You said uh, in, uh, in Ruchi or uh, an No, from the very beginning. They, they begin the second the creeper is planted. The pe- creeper is planted. We'll go over that in the next class. What is, what is actually the planting of the seed? That seed, that aspiration to be Krishna's devotee is the seed that the pure devotee gives us. That is devotional service. That is the seed of the bhakti lata, the mata. So that seed, that aspiration on our part to take up the practice, then once, we, once that seed is planted and we've been properly sanctioned by Krishna's pure devotee, the sanctioning in our sampradaya is coming through at this point in time, a formal initiation, Initiation is coming. At that time, Krishna looks at us as the same as himself. He says, "This my devotee is, is my devotee is giving himself to you. Then I must give myself to you also." Does that answer your question? Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Anything else? Thank you very much. Hare Krishna.